Welcome to the Rare Birds Emerging Markets Podcast with me, your host, Joanne A. Hamilton. This is Series 10, a Rare Birds collaboration with Ghanaian-based Startup Lounge Africa. Startup Lounge Africa is on a mission to continually organize useful information and relevant networks that prioritize the collaborative growth and sustainability of African startups. They are pioneering a special project titled 54 Days Across Africa. 54 Days Across Africa is an initiative geared towards showcasing innovative startup solutions through a continent-wide virtual tour to herald their recently launched digital matchmaking platform, Kutana Africa. 54 Days Across Africa is being completed on a block-by-block basis. They're having tours in the following order. The West Africa Block, the East Africa Block, Central Africa Block, Southern Africa Block, and finally, the North Africa Block. They recently completed the West Africa Block and are currently doing East Africa. In this series, you will hear me in conversation with a few of the startups featured on the West Africa Block. Keep listening in to hear more about Kutana Africa, as well as the four startups I will be in conversation with over the course of the next few weeks. First of all, we're using um, social media. We're using Facebook. Mm-hmm. After them, we got uh, we got actually a deal with uh, the national television, and we use them as a media platform where we gave them content every week. On normally, we have businesses that have um, so like most of our competitors who are the traditional travel and tour agencies. They have tour guides as well, so we come into connection with them they give us their guides we train them and then we give their guides some tourists to go on tours with them so those folks we can classify them as businesses or agents this has been um, a continent with a lot of opportunities um, a, a lot of resources as well and i did indicate earlier on about the potential of the free trade area but we've not got anything from india obviously because we have not like gone and search their markets. India is in India's markets I would say, <laughs> if I were to just paraphrase the news, would be that they mostly focus on parents. Because for me it's all about um, yeah as I said it's all about the process. So I see it as a brand though that is exporting internationally and right. um, that has its followers and fans and where people feel they can even contribute to the growing and the process and the developing of of the brand. In the first episode, number 198, you will hear me speaking with Samuel Opoku and Prince Kelly Anyomi, founding partners of Startup Lounge Africa. In episode number 199, I speak with the founder of Tukwan, Philip Gideon I. Darko. In episode 200, I speak with Badu Mbai Jr., the Gambian founder of Hitech. In episode 201, I speak with Prosper Ukachi, the Nigerian founder of Shortcode. And lastly, in episode 202, I speak with Lydia Aminyaglo, the Ghanaian-German founder of Plenty Plenty Africa. 
I hope you enjoy listening to these conversations and hearing what some of the early stage startups and their founders are building in West Africa. Remember, this list is by no means exhaustive. And if you would like to learn more about the various startups featured on the tour, do visit the Startup Lounge website at www.startuploungegh.com. And as always, visit the Rare Birds HQ website at www.rarebirdshq.com for more conversations as we continue to share all the transformation happening across emerging markets around the globe. Bye for now. Welcome to episode 199 of series 10, a Rare Birds collaboration with Ghanaian-based Startup Launch Africa, a series of podcasts featuring some of the West African startups on their West Africa tour. In this episode, I sat down with the founder of Tukwan, Philip Gideon I. Darko. Philip is an IT service delivery analyst. He concentrates primarily on travel technology delivery for tourists and travel guides in Africa. His key skills and expertise include IT system analysis, project management and monitoring, and evaluation of further employee and project leads. His company, Tukwan, is the first on-market travel tech provider in Ghana, offering tourists the freedom to experience quality tours and pay less. In this episode, you will get to know Philip. You'll hear him discuss his first travel experience, the origin story behind the startup, the problem it is solving. You'll hear about the matchmaking process, countries on the itinerary list, what it's like to build an African-focused travel company. You'll hear about the company's unique selling point, the role of tour guides and how he's training them. You'll hear him discuss limited funding for tourism startups, as well as hear trends in tourism as a result of COVID. He'll share insights on the Ghanaian government and the tourism industry, as well as African YouTubers. We end with lessons that he's learned thus far. Listen in to another fascinating episode. And as always, I will see you guys at the end. Greetings, Philip, and welcome to the Rare Birds Emerging Markets podcast. Thank you very much, Juan. Um, yeah, I'm happy to be here. And yeah, I hope we just have a good conversation. Yeah, Philip, it's a real pleasure to have you on. Thank you for giving us some of your time. And I'm really excited to speak to you because, like I told you, I'm an avid traveler. It's something that I really enjoy doing. So it's really exciting to have a founder of a travel startup on, on the show to talk about travel and your business in Ghana. So, yeah, let's start. So, Philip, before we... um. Tell the audience, our listeners, more about your startup. Begin with you. Who is Philip? And just tell us a little bit about your your background story so we can get to know more about who you are. All right. So my name is Philip Gideon Naidako. I love travel. I have a passion of changing the whole travel industry in the world. And um, yet to it, I've still not met over 1.5% of it yet. So I'm trying very hard to get to the 100% of it, which I hope will be happening soon. 
even now that's the whole world is hearing my voice from here <laughs> so my name is um philip like i said and i'm from ghana and um i am more of a travel tech person i completed with a bachelor's degree from university of greenwich i completed with business information technology and then i also have a communications um communications and media development degree from a Ghanaian school and um i love to travel and my favorite place i love to visit is the slums in africa i just feel they are the ones who have correct histories to be told most of the people who come from various other sects don't have histories to tell because they were born into that um well developed streets and well developed natures if you come to the streets and to the slums they are the people with the rightful culture and that's the main reason why i want to make travel freedom and tell everybody about it because travel is freedom it's not luxurious yeah Travel is freedom. It's not luxurious. Yeah, I like that. So we're going to talk a little bit more about um, why you like to, your favorite place to travel to is the slums. But before we do that, what is your um, your your first memory or your youngest memory of you traveling? Do you When do you remember like the first time you went somewhere? What was that experience like? Well, um. I remember almost every, every other thing I've done uh, when it comes to traveling. Um, the first time ever was when I had to, um, there's this museum. It's um, Dr. Dr. Kwame Nkrumah's museum. It's mm. in Accra. And I happened to be part of um, some selected few students who were supposed to go there to learn about their former president. And mm-hmm. then before I went there, I had asked my parents what I was going to, what are some of the things I will see there for it to excite me before I went there. And yeah, I went there and I realized that um, my forehead actually looked like Dr. Kwame Nkrumah. So I had to go and stand beside it to just try and see if <laughs> I look like the man himself and everything. Yeah. And then yeah. I remember that vividly and it made me learn a lot about him. And I always felt like if he was still alive, he was going to be my role model. Um, that experience alone made me keep traveling to places, even when I was sent to the high school. Back then in high school, when we go to school, we were not with our parents now, so we could wear anything you want. Those were the times that every Saturday I would have to pop on into a bus and go to another school just to go and see how the school looks like and visit some of my friends who were in the school. So that particular thing became a passion. And now I started sending people to such schools because um, I have been to the school before. So if you, if you, if there's a, if there's a fun fair going on there and someone wants to go there and see the place, then I am now going to be the one who's taking them there because I have been to the school before. So I love exploring and that made me start this um, travel tech business. Got it. Okay. And now to the slums. Why is it that 
the slums are your favorite place to be. Is it because I is it because you believe that um, the the people there they have unique stories to tell? Is it because you think that's where the essence of 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 a city is? You know, for example, some people when they travel they say I like to go into the city first, or like you, they like to go into the slums or into the poor communities. Is that because you believe there's some kind of essence there that you don't find elsewhere? Well, yeah, I believe in exposing hidden gems. So Mm. um, on the African continent, one thing I've realized is every government is trying to cover up its shambles by putting out the nicest things. Um, Let me take an example. When you go to Rwanda, in Rwanda, (laughs) Kigali looks so neat and Kigali looks so nice. Kigali is claimed as the um, cleanest city in the whole world. By the moment you go out of Kigali, you start seeing people who you would ask yourself, I thought these people said they were changed. I thought these people said their country is clean. I thought So it seems everything else is at the back of what they are showing to us. So I prefer to go to find that hidden treasure, that hidden gem. I would want to go and look for that particular thing. And then that's why I like going to the slums because um, I believe almost all the slums have the hidden gems. You see every kind of character in a slum. When you go there, you see people doing mm. a lot of things. You see how leadership is carried. You see how people respect people. You see how culture is still being in its own mood and people are still carrying the culture and everything. You mm-hmm. see the real nature of Africans when you visit slums. And you see a lot of innovation as well. You see how people use what they have to to create new things or to make things work. Yeah, that's true. Very, very true. Yeah, some of it is um, really cool. My, my, really, really my cool. first time I actually visited Islam, I happened to go to a particular place I don't want to mention in Ghana. Um, okay. I entered the, the, the place. I had my bag packed on me. And then someone came to me and was like, I should carry my bag in front, I should bring the bag from my back to my front. So I see yes. anything that goes on and off it. So I was like, why would I do that? And he was like, that's for your own good. So I said, okay. So the moment I entered into the place, I think some few folks were were playing a, a certain game where they were throwing stones. So I had to just get closer. And then I asked if I could play the game. I played the game and I lost. And I realized all of them were moving away again so it was as if all of them had in mind that they were just playing the game for fun but the moment someone else comes in we need to cheat the person and then we win the thing so they work in a teamwork to make you or to market the the, the, the game to you so when you join then they win then they share the money and then they go <laughs> so that was one thing i learned from the slaps it's a collective effort <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but I think also they 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 know who to target, right? They know they know the innocent yeah. people. They're like, oh, he's a really nice guy, but oh well, he's our he's our target for today. Okay, that's great. So tell us now about your startup. Tell us the the origin story and the problem that your startup is solving. Back then, in I think twenty seventeen. I I happened to want to travel. I was supposed to go and um, talk to some folks because I was working by then with um, a particular company. So I, I was supposed to go and have some talks with them. Um, uh, uh, other conglomerates that was in the com- that was in the country. So when I visited, I 
I was picked up from the airport by a colleague. And then we went into the town and then we had to purchase some food stuff for the hotel. And then when we got to the hotel, I had to unpack and everything. And I wanted to go out and explore the place because I was leaving the country the next day after the meeting. I was leaving back to my country. So it was like I, I had just some few moments to spend in the country. So after everything, I didn't get a chance to go to town. But the moment I realized I had I had left my toothbrush and some other toiletries back home, I opted to go and buy some. But I got down and then the hotel manager spoke to me. He was the only one who spoke English with me when I visited anyway. So he spoke to me, he said everything. Then when I left there, we went to town. I wanted to buy soap. I didn't know how to explain soap to them because majority of them were speaking French and I'm an English speaker. So I didn't know how to say it in French. I had to Google Translator, but I didn't have internet access on my phone to be able to translate that to as well. So I started saying certain things that I thought I knew could mean soap. I started describing it and everything, but then mm. it didn't work out. So I ended up telling the person, okay, this is what I want. Then I drew the thing on the floor and the person brought me a sachet of water. And I was like, no, that's not what I want. So what I felt that was a problem. What country is this? Rwanda. Okay, I see. Okay. Yeah. So I felt that was so much for me, like, because most of them were speaking Kenya, Rwanda in French. And I was in that particular part of Rwanda. I was in that particular part. I wasn't in where the, the, a lot of folks were speaking English. So I felt it was a problem. Then at the meeting, I met a friend who also says she had the same um um, the same problem when she came back. Hers was based on spending on unwanted things because she didn't want something. She has to pay for it because it wasn't communicated to her. So we noticed that everything was brought down to communication and then the information on culture wasn't there. And then there was low um, low information on um, the language barrier and everything towards there. So we ended up discussing it and then we, uh, we happened to come up with a product or a platform that was supposed to do matchmaking between tourists and tour guides. So the first thing was for us to come up with um, a two-way model where we can train tour guides so that they get access to the tourists who visit and then also to get the tourists to get that particular asset. So when we moved back to Ghana, I tried with a friend who also came from the United Kingdom, we went out there to buy something. So he was the one who was who was looking for the thing to buy. But the moment he started speaking, something that I would go and buy on the market for, let's say, $2, was being sold to him at $10, just mm. because of his accent. So I was like, no, why are you trying to cheat the guy? They were like, but he's even going to pay. So they, they told me, he was willing to pay. So why am I rather spoiling their business? I'm like, no, that's cheating. That's so much of cheating. I mean, you're charging the person five times what is on the market. That's bad. That's very because common of his though. Accent. That's very common. Yeah. That happens very. all the time. Because yeah. of his accent. So I was like, okay, then we need to add that to our, our feature as well. So we added that particular thing to our, 
uh, apps feature that if anyone is looking for um, a place to visit, the moment you go out there, you should be able to know the actual price. Even though the actual price, you should know the range of that particular product on the market because we buy the same thing they want to buy. So if I buy fabric at $20, I don't expect someone to buy it at $100. I'm going to tell you that it's within the ranges of $10 to $20. If the person doesn't want to sell it to you, let your tour guide buy it for you. So that's one thing that we're doing. We are trying to do matchmaking between tourists and tour guides because of these problems that we identify in the market. Because like I said initially, travel is freedom. If I right. have to travel, I should be able to go anywhere. I mean, yeah. um, there's there's this one particular country I would want to visit, which is Yemen. I want, mm. I really want to go to Yemen. I don't know yeah. why if I want to go to the Middle East, I would want to go to Dubai because everyone is going there. I want to go to Yemen. I want to visit Saudi Arabia. I want to visit all those um, countries right. that are being like said that those places are very bad to visit. Those are the yeah. places I want to go to. I want to see the, the, the little boys who are holding guns. I want to see mm. them holding the guns because I've never held one before. I want to really see them holding the guns and I want to see their fierceness in holding with holding the guns and why they want to hold it. So that's right. what I want to do. So I feel it's it's my freedom to go anywhere I want to go to. Now we should um, we should be able to solve that particular problem by getting the people in the slums to be trained as guides so they will take you there. So now mm. if there's someone in that particular scary place that we can tell, okay, this guy is learned, he's educated, but due to some um, some some certain stories behind his background, he's not able to further his education or he's unemployed. So we can train that person to become a tour guide where he's going to be able to take people to visit his town where he comes from. And then because a lot of folks in that particular community knows him, they're going to be able to take you there anytime they want to take you there. Right. Okay. So correct me if I'm wrong. This model that you have is one whereby you are training local people in the community. We can call them the culturalists, you know, the people that 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 people know, the people that have the trust on the ground in the community. You're training them to be guides to facilitate the the tours for 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 the foreigners for for the guests for the tourists right is that correct that's right okay so let's talk a little bit about the training that you do what is that like and how does that whole process work okay so um we have a lot of folks and a lot of institutions in Ghana where they train or uh, where people study hospitality and tourism management in this country. But most of them, when they are done, they because they say the, uh, the first degree is actually something that you need to know. It's not about your skills. Some of them end up going to the banks. Some of them end up going to work in different sectors. So what we are trying to do is that there are a lot of folks who have the know-how on how to talk to people. They have the skills to drive. They have the skills to know the nooks and crannies of this, the community in which they come from. So these people are going to be trained by us. Now, our training is the same thing that the schools will do, but ours is just going to take just like two days or three days. We are going to give you just the synonyms and then the beginner's guide on how to just go about with someone. So most of the times, travelers or tourists who visit 
have less or just some few minutes to go on anything they want to do. So let's take, for instance, an Uber driver. An Uber driver who wants to be a tour guide is already driving a passenger that he doesn't know somewhere. So as an Uber driver, when you pick a passenger and the passenger needs to know certain things about a specific city, you should be able to be a guide to tell the person that, okay, so when you come to Osu, Accra, at this particular point, that's where you are going to see the castle. At this particular point, you are going to see the beach. At this particular point, you are going to see the government houses. At this particular point, you are going to see the slum. And then you keep on telling them that and you give them the history of the town. You tell them the people, where they came from and all those kind of things. So that's what we take them through in that particular syllabus. We don't um, exceed anything else. We tell them about the culture of the people. So we take the people from that particular culture. So they already know about it. So we just take them through those kind of things and then we educate them on that. How long is the training? Um, mostly we take three days. Um, mostly at least, at, at least we should be able to do it within two days. But at most, we've done five days for someone. Okay, so the training for the tour guides runs anywhere between three to five days. Yeah. Okay, and that's a part of their employment, right? So they yes. go through the um, the training process, and once they're done, they can go out into the field and they can start getting connected with tourists and start giving tours, acting as guides, right? Exactly, exactly. Okay, okay. Now, how talk us through like the actual the actual app itself. How does it work? Like is it you just download the app from the app store and like what is that process like in terms of uh the matchmaking and the pairing between the tourist and the guide? Okay. So when you first download the application, um there are two on um it's two actually on um google play you find the tukwan itself tukwan actually means to travel it's a ghanian word it means to travel so you okay. see the tukwan app on the google it's on google play store you see it there when you download the um tukwan um sorry one second when you download the tukwan application itself it gives you a portal for you to sign up you give your name and everything then it gives you the opportunity to have an explore page, an explore page where you're going to see whatever you want to. Um, you want to see where you want to eat, where you want to sleep, where you want to. So it's like feel Ghana, see Ghana, and wear Ghana. It's all on that particular explore page. So you'll mm. be able to identify what you want and then you choose it. And if you want to do it alone or with a group of friends, you get access to do that on your own. If you want to do that too with um, a tour guide, you get to select a tour guide. And when you select a tour guide, the tour guide is going to help you with the rest of the of, of the itinerary that you're, that you're creating for yourself. Some folks, so let's let's take for instance um, some two folks who just got married last week. They got married and then they didn't know where they want to go to. So at the moment when they download the Tupan application, they can choose from a variety of places they want to go to or tour guide. They will select okay. a tour guide. If okay. they don't want a tour guide, then they just ignore it. So that's how mm. the app flows. That's how it works. They download the app and the app gives them the option to choose a guide. A guide is an option. Yes, please. 
Got it. Okay. Okay. So, on the actual, um, in the actual app itself, I also saw that you. I don't know if it's changed, but I, I believe you have like three types of tours: eco, arts, and wildlife. Is that is that still how it works, or have you removed or added some more types of tours? Yeah. So we have ecotourism. We have wildlife. We have adventure. We okay. also have um. We also have history. That's where you go and learn about your history. So like if you had been in the Caribbean, I would have asked you to come and then we take you to the castle. So you know about the history behind how like slavery was sent into those particular parts of the world. So those are the things. And then it helps us to target the kind of people we want to um, promote our uh, product too. So right. we also have other tours like green tourism, where we visit some particular um, regions and then we train most folks in that particular. So like, for instance, when we go to the Western region, there's a hub for natural resources. So when we get there, we help the people in those communities to know that, okay, they, since you have this particular natural resource here, you should be able to know that, yeah, a lot of animals or a lot of insects or a lot of wildlife is going to be around you. So these mm-hmm. are some of the things that you need to do in your biosphere and it's going to mm-hmm. help you yourself as someone living there. It's going to help the community and it's going to mm-hmm. help the country. So those are some of the things that we do with the green tourism, which is also supposed to help those those communities to become sustainable at a point. Right. And where are you currently based, like in terms of countries? I know I, on your website, I saw Rwanda and your home country, Ghana. Have, are there yeah. more countries? Yeah. yeah. So um, I'm hoping to add Kenya and Mauritius. Um, Ooh, just Mauritius. Maybe by... Yeah, nice, by the nice. first um, by the first quarter of 2022, which would mm-hmm. be Mauritius, because um, um, we are in talks with some of the people in Mauritius. So, yeah. What is that? Can you, I mean, without saying too much, obviously, can you tell us a little bit about what is what is the process like? for entering a country, uh, particularly a country like Mauritius, which is already like a big tourism a tourism uh, place in and of itself. Are you building partnerships with a, lo- with a local company or how, how do you go about like, what is your expansion like? Because you're okay, expanding so into, we- into countries that have big tourism sectors like Kenya, for example, and Mauritius and yeah. Yeah. So with Kenya, so with Kenya, um, we know most of the of the stuff that they do or their tourism is based on mostly wildlife. In right. Ghana, we are more of we are more of slave trade and history, culture, culture and, and history the and art and culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, culture and art. And then we are trying our best because a lot of people come to Ghana because of wildlife too as well. But we don't have that particular wildlife like it's not huge as kenya so that means we also have um some kind of reach for that particular people who want to go to see wildlife so we mm-hmm. are trying to partner with um some folks uh, or agencies in in kenya who will be able to say okay so these people want to see wildlife we would want them to come into your country when they use our application so now we want to train some folks on wildlife for them to be able, not only the wildlife folks, but we should be able to train people in the communities to know about the wildlife itself. Because a lot of folks will be wanting to kill the animals because they live in the same community with them. So we Mm -hmm. need to 
um, get the training with them. So as when someone comes and wants to visit, you should even be able to know that this is, at this point, I should be able to kill this animal or at this point, I should be able to live with this animal in harmony. So we talk with the agencies before we try to enter into the community. And most of the times we, 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 we go tete-a-tete -tete for like three months before we end up signing any deal that we have to come into that particular country. Now for Mauritius, we Mauritius is huge. Mm. A lot of folks are going to Maldives. A lot of mm -hmm. folks are going to Zanzibar. Mm -hmm. But everything in Zanzibar and, and in Maldives is in Mauritius. So if you need an island tour, we want to promote Mauritius too as well. It's in a hidden speck. A lot of folks wouldn't want to go there. It's mm. very close to the Oceania. But nobody wants to go to that particular uh, that particular place. So we it's want to Indian add that Ocean. one to our tour. Mm. Yeah, we want to add that one to, to our um, packages where we send people to those places. So it's going to be more of talking to the agencies in those particular sectors. And then the agencies over there will also have the chance to do the trainings on their own. And then we just take percentages and commissions on anything that they make. Yeah, all those countries in the Indian Ocean are beautiful. You know, Comoros, Seychelles, Madagascar, yeah. Mauritius, Maldives. They're gorgeous. They're stunning. Um, I, I, I'd love to visit those places. I can't wait to go. Do yeah, you, you should. Plans? Do you have plans to go beyond the African continent or uh, would you like to just remain or, or stay a African-focused travel company? Okay, so I think last year I was asked the same question. At a ah, pitch, it was a dong, yeah. it, it was a dong shen, it was a dong shen cup challenge, okay. where it was it was more of the Chinese market, uh -huh. and yeah, yeah, if yeah. we have to, if we have to bring people into China and all those kind of things, and mm. I was willing to um, create because most people who leave Africa to come to China only come there because of schooling, or they want to relocate to that place, but we don't have Business. anyone who wants to leave for. Africa and say, I'm just going to tour and then I'm coming back or someone wants to tour and go back to their country. So mm. we are hoping to expand into all other places that has um, any tourism, um, tourism enthused thing that we can take people there. That one, we will be able to say we want to go there. But for now, um, Africa is very close to me. Mm. Africa is kind of like my home. Mm -hmm. And Africa is where people need to come and see. So mm -hmm. for now, we are thinking of expanding more in Africa than sure. in the West, even though our business is kind of like registered in the United States. Well, you've got 54 countries, so you've got a lot. Yeah. A lot of <laughs> yeah, yeah. So tell me, what, what, are, what, what differentiates you from other travel companies on the continent? What makes your, your company unique and different and special? Okay, so we charge less or we, we give the, 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 the tourists the mandate to get anything you want to get at a low budget. You don't spend more when you travel. Um, a lot of people, when they are traveling, they spend on unwanted things, which mm. is so not needed. Um, you budget a hundred US dollars to travel. When you travel, you are supposed to use only that. 
So mm. that's one uniqueness of ours. We also provide the hidden gems because the moment you visit any country and then you have us there, we tell you about certain things in that particular country that is hidden that you need to know. So we tell you that. And then last but not least, we provide you with a trained local guide who's going to give you local content. If you go and use Google or you go and use um, TripAdvisor or you go and use all those other people, they are sitting somewhere far away from Ghana. They don't know anything going on in Ghana, but we are giving you the local content. We are giving you the person who is on the ground, who knows the ground very well, knows the nooks and crannies, knows the culture, knows the history and everything. They are the ones that we are giving out to you people. Right. When with the guide, is the guide just keeping you like taking you around in that one local area or is the guide sort of like with you for the day and taking you to various areas, whether that involves walking or going on a bus or or what have you? What is the What is the role like? How expansive is the role of the guide? OK, so if you need a guide who is going to drive you anywhere you want to go to, the, drive, mm-hmm. the guide comes with your own car. They can even make, if you want to drive, they can be in the passenger seats that you drive yourself if that's okay. what you want. Anything okay. you want to have with a guide, they are there for you. They, 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 they should be able to give you any information you need anywhere you want to go to. They should be like protecting you and they should be like educating you on the um, town in which you are. So Do if they- you want to take them to a different region, they should be able mm-hmm. to take you to a different region. Okay, I got it. Do they work directly for you or are they sort of like agents, freelancers and agents? Okay, so um, we are a B2B and a B2C. Um, okay. Normally we have businesses that have, um, so like most of our competitors who are the traditional travel and tour agencies, they have tour guides as well. So we come into connection with them. They give us their guides. We train them and then we give their guides some tourists to go on tours with them. So those folks, we can classify them as businesses or agents we work with. Now they are freelancers or individuals who are unemployed and they also need some kind of thing to do. So now when there's a tourist in, let's say, um, a town in which we have a guide there, we are going to connect you to that particular tourist and then you, the tour guide, you take them there and then you make your money as well. Okay, I got it. I got it. Now, just shifting the conversation a little bit, what are what are some of the challenges that you've um that you've experienced as you've as you've built Taquan? Because I think Taquan was founded, was it 2017 you founded the company? Is it 2017? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So okay. we 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 got the idea. We got the idea in 2017, mm-hmm. but we fully started everything in 2019, okay. um, December 2019. Yeah. So um, most of the challenges comes because Africa is not seeing tourism as an investment platform on its own. So mm-hmm. if you go into any investment portfolio, all the VCs and then all the angel and all of them are targeting or they are putting their focus on the fintech mm-hmm. and the agri the agri sector. Yes. But little do they know that um, anyone who wants to travel into any particular country is supposed to do it through tourism. So when you travel, you should be able to book, make booking and make payments while you do the booking. If you don't do that, you're not going to be able to, um, you're not going to be able to make money through your um, payment applications. Now, with the great sector, 
if you don't travel to a particular place to have business conferences, you are not going to be able to prepare food for people who are going to come to eat. So your agri-sector is also going to go down with GDP. But one challenge is that almost every money is centered not to tourism because they feel tourism is luxury. They all feel tourism is luxury. They they think tourism is all about you already having money. But Mm. that's to me, I feel when they channel some of their monies to tourism is really going to help the other sectors because it's the tourism that makes the other sectors huge. Do you think also it could be, I mean, there's obvious reasons why a lot of money is going into fintech in Africa, okay? Because, you know, there's a narrative of the underbanked and the unbanked. That's just a huge sector, right? Financial services is just a really big sector. But do you think it's also because maybe they're thinking, well, a lot of countries lack infrastructure and therefore travel is probably not like viable or maybe travel is just not it's not it's not ready just yet as an industry. Do you think that's how some of them are thinking? Or maybe there's a perception that it's just like, well, tra- travel, depending on who's who 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 has the who has the purse, right? If they're not from the continent and they're not familiar with the continent, they may not see the continent as a travel quote unquote destination i mean there could be a, a confluence of factors but i'm just throwing it all out there do you think that's those are some of the things that they could be thinking about infrastructure perception that kind of thing well it could be it could be um i i'll i'll, I'll term um rwanda for instance so mm-hmm. rwanda is actually making money through um for its tourism through mm-hmm. infrastructure because mm-hmm. um, they, they have a huge event center where they can have um, some kind of um, meetings and community events and all those kind of things there. Now, if you come to um, other countries like Kenya and all, they also have nice infrastructure and all those kind of things. They also have buildings. If you yeah. come to West Africa, we have these um, castles and dungeons and all those kind of things that's also helping. And then... Yeah. All of us actually have bad roads to such places. Yeah. That's one other thing. Mm. When it comes mm. to fashion, we all have bad roads. Um, when you want to travel, and some of the places are very far from the main city, so right. sometimes a lot of people get tired when they are doing these road trips and all those kind of things. So yeah. I think yes, they might be thinking through that, and then no, they are actually not thinking through that too. So mm. I'll be mm. on the yes and the no because yeah. if that's the case, then I think more investment should come there for the infrastructure to be built. And then if it's built, a lot of folks are going to come. I mean, a lot of folks are going to Singapore just because Singapore it's, is, is, is uh, growing well in infrastructure. So a lot of folks are moving there. A lot of folks are traveling to United Arab Emirates just to go and see the Burj Khalifa because it's, it's built on, mm-hmm. a, on an island or something. So why don't we invest in Africa? So we can also build such things and get people to come into the country to come and have a feel of how it looks like. Yeah. Right. Um, also, in terms of um, to- the, your your target market, are you targeting local people, uh, other Africans around the continent, or are you targeting foreigners? All right. So um, before 2020, when the pandemic hit, 
Mm-hmm. Our main focus was on the foreigners. Our main focus was not on domestic tours. Mm-hmm. But I think after COVID, when no one was coming here and all, like a lot of folks are just traveling back. Just some of them are coming for businesses and then within 15 minutes, they are gone back and all those kind of things. And then they are locked up. Some of them are locked down and all those kind of things. They're spending more of their days in hospitals and stuff. We had to focus on domestic tours. So mm-hmm. now we sell tours to Africans, where we tell mm-hmm. like someone living in Accra, we take the person from Accra and then we take the person to a different city in the yeah. country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think that's great though, because you know, people have to explore their own countries. And it's yeah. not just an African thing. It's it, it seems as though wherever you go in the world, certain some places more than others, local people don't travel their own country. And I think it's so important to travel your own country and 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 know what's happening in your own country and experience the beauty of your own country. So maybe that's one good thing that's come out of COVID, which is that there's more of an emphasis now on local tourism because people can't travel, right? So there's a focus now on getting local people to to get tours and to and to travel within the country and and experience, you know, as they call what do they call it? A staycation in the US. I hear that term a lot. The staycation. Yeah, staycation. With there's mm-hmm. vacation, there's weekend getaway, there's yeah, yeah. Vacation. Yeah. Now vacation. vacation. <laughs> right. Vacation <laughs> is with your boo, right? With your like boyfriend, with, girlfriend, yeah. husband, <laughs> wife, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Right. And um, do you do like um when you were targeting foreigners, I guess it was a lot of destinations. Like, I guess you would do things like weddings. And like you said, in Ghana, I guess it would be like people coming from the U.S. or the Caribbean. Or like you said, the like people who are of African descent that are in the West and they want to come and see sort of like that whole, the whole slavery uh, ex- experience and where enslaved Africans were taken from. I guess it's you did a lot of different things, I guess, before COVID happened. Yeah. Yeah. So um, before COVID happened, um, we so in 2019, the government of Ghana actually introduced a a program, which was um, the year of return. So Mm -hmm. we were asking we were asking all black Americans and all blacks who had any black history. And mm-hmm. due to the slave trade and everything to come back to see how it all started and how it even ended. So we happened to channel most of our social media marketing to Bahamas, Guyana. I think we did some of them to Fiji. We did some of them to even the Vanuatu, Oceania side too as well. Because mm-hmm. those people we flew are, are also blacks like us. And mm-hmm. we sent some also to Jamaica. We sent it to even America itself, the United States itself. We sent it all there. And then we... I think we had over 256 people using our application to tour these places. And then Mm. we were able to get some tour guides to take them on these particular tours that when they visited, they were able to go to. So, yeah, we were hoping it was going to be huge in 2020 until the COVID-19 came yeah. to tell us that tourism is ah uh, okay <laughs> mm, yeah, so, yeah. to make a shift we had to, uh, you, we had to make a shift to it it's it's really helpful when you have a, a proactive government that's pushing for 
the travel or the tourism sector because then that really helps startups like yours, right? Because not all yeah. not all countries are like that. So having uh, government pushing for travel initiatives and tourism initiatives, it's really helpful for businesses like yours. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, if you're trying to build a travel startup in a country where the government is just not supporting or, or promoting any kind of tourism, it's 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 going to be a little bit more difficult without that support. Very true. Yeah, Very yeah. True. So tell us, where do you see all of this going? What what what, what is the vision? Where where do you see this in in say five ten years? All right. So um, I was asked the same question in 2017. And who I was like, in 20... who, asked, who asked you yeah, that question? Yeah, in 2017, I was asked at Tony Elumelu Foundation. It's a, yeah. um, I am familiar yeah, with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. They, they asked it, me. It's, um, it's because we want to know, you know, you, you're just curious about, <laughs> you want to get an yeah. idea of what's, what's, in, what's in the founder's mind. Where do they see this thing exactly. going? Like, what, what are they thinking about? I mean, we all know at the end of the day, that that's pro- whatever you're thinking is probably not going to happen because that's just not how things work. But it's nice to have an idea of what is in the person's head. What's their big plan or what's their big vision? Very true. So yeah. um, back then, I said in 2021, I wanted to see everyone in Africa using our application. Mm. But now I'm going to tell you that I have a feeling that in the next five, 10 years, Everyone should be able to, at the mention of Tukwan, everybody knows it's just like the Airbnb, the Uber, and the other people. Because it's supposed to, um, when you see the market, um, over 50 million people trip into Africa every year, which is mm-hmm. actually supposed to generate a 24.8 trillion US dollars for Africa. And out of this, it can employ over 24 million people in Africa to have this particular work. And we, we all know that Africa is going to be able to hit, um, is, is, is going to be able to hit, I think about a seven extra million when we grow. So people are giving birth every time. Africa is going to grow into a, 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 a bigger sect. And a lot of people are going to troop here. A lot of people are going to move into Africa. They're going to they're going to live here. They're going to stay here. That they, they wouldn't want to go back to their countries again. So mm. all these things, we would want to also have some chalets. Um, we would want to have buildings, um, hotels, and all that is going to be in our name. And then we are going to say, yeah, when you visit and you use Tukwine, you're actually going to sleep in this particular hotel called Tukwine too as well. So what we yeah. want to do is that by the next five to 10 years, anyone who wants to move to Africa, the first thing you just want to go and look for your local content from is going to be Tukwine. Gotcha. You know, and it's also important to uh, highlight the role of YouTubers and vloggers in um, bringing attention to African countries, because personally, I felt like I, I watch a lot of YouTube. I, I mean, I'm a content creator, so I'm always looking at other people's content. Right. And 
when you think of like there's so many youtubers that are traveling mm -hmm. around africa and they bring so much attention to countries and show you countries that maybe you would never thought that you would want to see before they highlight places i mean we all know our famous ghanaian wudamaya you know i mean wudamaya has like yeah. almost a hundred mil a million youtube um, a million subscribers on his youtube channel and he's travels he's traveling all around africa and he's showing a lot of his subscribers are not they're not i mean he's got global subscribers so people from all over the world are looking at his channel and they're learning about south sudan and ethiopia and namibia and of course ghana and this is bringing more attention to to these countries as well and all of these things are helping to promote culture and art and tourism you know people like wudamaya and other influencers they're cultural ambassadors you know they're they're bringing a lot of attention to to the continent as well and highlighting um, tourism. So bringing attention so that people may want to to come and see what it's all about, because um, a lot of the stuff that they show you are probably things you wouldn't see otherwise, you know, which is really cool. Yeah, yeah. So I think um, <clears throat> there was a point I wanted to do what Wudimaya was doing. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that we go, we go and then we take some videos and shots of places and then, but we yeah. realized that, yeah, that's, that's one of, that's, that's one of a stream. That's a different revenue stream on its own. Absolutely. We yeah. also have videos and all, all of those other things on YouTube that you can visit to see, but we have mostly on only Ghanaian places. Now, yeah. Um, traveling to other places, um, mm -hmm. for instance, Namibia, Kenya, and South Sudan, and all these kind of things. We also tried to do that. But then mm. I think um, the only advantage we would have now is to just give Wodemaya one of our dresses. So whenever he's visiting those places, he wears it there for us. Yeah, you'd have to uh, partner or collaborate with him, you know, like be a sponsor or something like that, like do some kind of collaboration. And that'd be awesome, yeah. I think. I think it'll be awesome to see, you know, you you as a, a Ghanaian startup collaborating or, you know, if not, what am I? There's so many creators, content creators on YouTube now that are that are African, yes. that are that are doing so many amazing things um, and just traveling and highlighting. There's some... Uh, I forgot a lady. There's a lady that I follow. She's actually a uh, Ghanaian, Ghanaian, Scottish Ghanaian, but she returned to Ghana. She lives there with her family now. And she also like profiles Ghana and Ghanaians who've come back to Ghana and who've started businesses and all of the, I mean, there's just a lot of vloggers now from all over the world, right? Who are yeah, just doing yeah. <laughs> amazing things. So it's like, they're really showing you when you watch a vlog, it's a di completely different experience. So it makes you want to kind of like visit. And I think that that's, that's good for the tourism sector as well. And that's good for startups like yours. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So it's all good. Everybody's feeding into everybody. Okay. So final question. What lessons have you learned from your entrepreneurial journey that you would like to share with us? Oh, yeah. Um, lessons learned. I, I, I am, I am learning a lot because since I started this entrepreneurial um, um, journey, I've been exposed to other people across the continent, even even globally. Because you are in China today, and I'm speaking with you. Yeah. And I just got a connection through Startup Lounge. And that's that's helped. 
me because if I hadn't um, started this entrepreneurial journey, I wouldn't have met you. And um, I think yeah. we've also been exposed to certain things or certain cultures because um, I have I have learned from VCs in in um, Silicon Valley, San Francisco. I have learned from VCs in Africa here itself. I have learned from VCs in China. I have learned from VCs in Europe. And almost every other person who comes up, comes up with a different thing. And they all end up telling you that you should continue doing what you are supposed to bring out. Every product will be out there. There are a lot of products in the travel tech industry that people are using. I mean, there's there's Booking.com, there's Google Map, there's TripAdvisor, there's Airbnb, there's Uber, there's all of them. But then yours also comes up to add up as a uniqueness. So that's one thing I've learned is not to give up. And then we should just still continue. People are definitely going to use our application. I mean, nobody knew or nobody saw COVID coming. Everybody starts wearing masks. So it's the same thing that's going to happen again. Everybody's going to start using an application where they wouldn't even know that this is what we are going to end up using. So yeah, lessons learned. I have learned that I have to still continue what I'm supposed to do. All right. Excellent, Philip. So your greatest lesson is keep going. Don't give up. Yeah. And on that note, thank you so much for joining us on the Rare Birds Emerging Markets podcast. It was a real pleasure to speak with you. And until next time, folks, bye for now. You have just heard Series 10, a Rare Birds collaboration with Startup Launch Africa. Thanks so much for listening in and special thanks to Samuel, Prince, Claudia, and the entire Startup Launch Africa team. To learn more, please visit the Startup Launch Africa website at www.startuplaunchgh.com. If you enjoyed what you heard, please share it with someone whom you think would be interested. And don't forget to rate us on your favorite podcast platform. This is an original Rare Birds HQ production. We look forward to seeing you next week as we continue our series. Until next time, rare ones, bye for now.